Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to a podcast that is always far shorter than the Academy Awards show. It's the Newsbusters podcast. Yes, leading up to the big show, Mrs. Graham loves the red carpet, although now it was the champagne carpet. Uh, and then she has this tendency to say, let's watch the movies that are nominated for best picture. Now there's generally be one or two that we might've already seen. Uh, we had seen everything everywhere all at once in early January after it ended up on a bunch of the year end best lists. But this weekend it was like, I was mildly interested in tar, the movie about the orchestra conductor. And she was more interested in the Banshees of Inisherin, And so we watched both of them. You can see one on Peacock, which we have in our house. The other on HBO Max, which we have in our house. And I ended up liking Tar quite a bit, at least for the musical parts of it. Uh, and she liked the Banshees of Inisherin better. I thought it was a little absurd. Uh, which, of course, I guess was their point. Uh, but... Uh, in either case, they're not the kind of movies the wife likes. She likes them formulaic. Generally, her joke is, if the critics hate it, I'll probably like it. So then why do you want to watch the Best Picture nominees? You know that's not going to end well. Uh, but, uh, you know, so we watch a pile of all the, the dresses and the, the E show and the ABC show and then the show... And then uh, probably the most amusing part for uh, Newsbusters fans was Michelle Yeoh wins for Best Actress. And she said, let me tell you, the ladies out there, don't let them tell you you're past your prime. Big, uh, big applause. Well, this obviously is a dig at CNN anchor Don Lemon, who embarrassed himself a little while ago and got himself removed from the air for a few days for suggesting that Nikki Haley was past her prime. And that was always kind of absurd because it's like, hey, Don, she's younger than you. <laughs> he was just, and the funny thing about all of that is here again was people at CNN are like, no, 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 we can't find somebody who's better than Trump. They all stink. Nikki Haley can't say she's fresher than Biden. Well, just about everybody's fresher than Biden. Are you, are you listening to the guy speak? Now, there was also not a lot of politics in the show, in the in the Academy Awards show, but Jimmy Kimmel did make a joke about editing. He said, editors can turn 44,000 hours of violent insurrection footage into a respectful sightseeing tour of the Capitol. Uh, that might be a joke made for liberals, but it would be a lie. It would be false in PolitiFact terms. Because there weren't 44,000 hours of violent insurrection footage. There were certainly some hours. But what Tucker Carlson was showing was there were other hours where people were just peacefully milling about the Capitol, including the QAnon shaman just milling about. It doesn't mean they were right. And it doesn't, you know, I, I don't think you want to really say that they were just sightseeing. You can come to the Capitol any day and be a sightseer. They were there not to sightsee. They were there because Trump told them to be there. 
Trump said, come to the Capitol on January 6th. It'll be a wild time. But, you know, you got to exaggerate. You know, it's the same way they, they want to always exaggerate that somehow Tucker Carlson just showing little snippets that don't jibe with the January 6th committee is, is heinous. Uh, it just wasn't. But there were other things going on this weekend as well as the Oscars. Now, I haven't actually watched or listened to these panels. They're maybe not all available yet. But in Austin, Texas, all the lefties were assembling for the South by Southwest conference. Generally, the liberal media shows up to talk to each other. Uh, Brian Stelter had a panel. This was the one everybody was kind of amused by. The title of the panel was Media Profits by Amplifying Hate. Can we fix it? So Stelter's there with a person from the Anti-Defamation League. That's Obama people. A person from Color of Change. These are the people that wanted Glenn Beck driven from Fox News, and they ultimately succeeded. But I mean... Color of Change wants Fox News taken off the air. You know, these are basically two censorship groups that really think Fox News is a is a blight on our democracy that should be removed from your television. So that when they say amplifying hate, can we fix it? What they're really saying is, can we end it? Can we end hate by ending conservatism on TV? Somebody tweeted it this way. If outrage is the business model of social media, then where is the business model for hope? Look, this is a panel being hosted by Brian Stelter, who at CNN absolutely was cheerleading for the most vicious anti-Trump journalism. I mean, are liberals being stupid or just shameless for implying they don't use outrage as a business model? I mean, what was journalism in the Trump years? but using outrage as a business model. Democracy dying in darkness. Truth is more important than ever. Build your subscriber base by feeding them the latest anti-Trump nugget. Well, here's the uh, some of the verbiage from the South by Southwest website that would give you a clue from what we could maybe later on listen to. The state of media today is not sustainable. It doesn't sustain the health and well-being of our children, our society, or our democracy. In its current incarnation, it profits from monetizing hate. Can we hold makers and distributors to a higher standard? A standard that doesn't profit from knowingly doing harm. Sustainability means meeting our own needs without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. Well, now it sounds like it's turning into a climate chat. But just this whole idea, you know, I'm so tired of the liberals saying, well, when somebody says stuff we don't like, it's hate. But when we hate, it's somehow a positive thing. Uh, My pal Brad Slager was... Relaying this headline from the weekend, Ali Velshi and transgender journalist agree. Florida road testing authoritarianism in the U.S. just like the early 1930s in Germany. This isn't even a unique headline. This is kind of the, the, the rote day-by-day thing. This is where we sit around at Newsbusters and say, how many DeSantis's Hitler stories are we going to do? I mean, it's pretty easy, but they keep coming. And then you start going, this is boring me. 
We know the independent fact checkers won't do anything about it. You can see DeSantis is Hitler and they'll be like, fine. But, uh, you know, this is one of those things where you really wish that liberals and leftists would have some understanding that they commit hate speech, that they demonstrate hate of people. Now, you could say, but I hate the right people. Okay, but you're still hating. And yes, you could say hate, the more vicious it grows, means you stop listening and you, you really should try to do some listening if you aspire to being in a democracy. It's called listening to an opposing point of view. Now, here at Newsbusters, we listen to an opposing point of view for a living. We spend more time with liberal speakers than we do with conservative speakers. Maybe in our off hours, we're going to listen to something we like in the car, although I'm more likely to be listening to national public radio. Uh, you won't want to miss this. I'm going to do a little aside here. Clay Waters has a piece that NPR was honestly suggesting that the leftist and Antifa types that burned down construction of a cop city, they call it cop city, a police training facility in Atlanta, were like, oh, it was somehow progress to burn it down. Now, to me, it seems a little hard for you to say, I think January 6th was terrible. There shouldn't be that kind of radical protest and property destruction and then turn around and burn something down you don't like. NPR doesn't seem to make the mental connection. NPR can praise a book called In Defense of Looting and then try to pose that it's against the January 6th thing. Uh, there was another panel at South by Southwest. Uh, this had an MSNBC journalist, Tremaine Lee, on the panel. The title of this one was Built, Building an Anti-Racist Newsroom. Now, you know this one's going to be all woke when you use anti-racist in your headline. Uh, here's the summary of that discussion. In a time of great racial reckoning in this country... Traditional news media have largely failed to meet the moment. Now remember, this is since George Floyd. The so-called traditional news media have been touting a great racial reckoning. They have tried really hard to be as woke as possible. They threw aside all the COVID protocols and said, it's not a super spreader if you're campaigning for racial justice. Uh, but their complaint at South by Southwest continued. While there may be an increase in racial justice reporting, today's newsrooms lack the representation, leadership structure, and implicit bias training needed to reflect and report on the communities in which they serve. So see, it's always the white guilt thing is being pushed. There's not enough people of color there's not enough people of color in the leadership structure. And then on behalf of the people of color, you have to lecture the white people about their implicit bias. It continues. To fill this gap, several new and existing media platforms are upending outdated practices and redefining how 21st century newsrooms should operate. Join leaders from The Emancipator, that's a website, The 19th, URL Media, and of course NBC News, for a discussion on the fallacy of objective journalism, quote-unquote. 
and how more newsrooms and content creators can and must adopt inclusive practices in their daily operations. Now, yes, what they're honestly saying is a website like the 19th, which is a crusading leftist website against racism and sexism from the left-wing perspective. I mean, this is what they're saying. And our rebuttal would be, that's not a newsroom. That's an advocacy room. That's fine. You want to have an advocacy website, do that. But don't call it a newsroom. And then there's just the whole joke here. This is one of those things that you always want to make fun of the left. Is make All these racial mandates then are described as inclusive practices. More blacks, more people of color, less whites. Whites shouldn't even apply, you know. Too many whites, too many Asians in the colleges. But we're inclusive. And obviously... Inclusive in the newsroom doesn't mean including the conservatives. I think we all understand that. I mean, they basically say a good newsroom doesn't have a conservative in it. A good newsroom is dedicated to a radical justice cause. And then they don't seem to understand. Yes, this is why half of America doesn't trust your so-called news. Because it's not news. It's advocacy. And it's advocacy against the other half of the country. Surprise, not everybody's going to be for that. Now, some people made a big deal over the weekend. Mike Pence made an an appearance before the gridiron dinner. This is one of those uh, insider, off-the-record, D.C. gatherings of reporters where they basically sing or dance or do comedy shtick. And... uh, Uh, It's generally a way for politicians to sort of um, suck up to the media a little bit. That seems to be in what have happened here with with Mike Pence. Now, it's one thing for Mike Pence to say, as he did, that he believes Trump was responsible for the riot, that January 6th was terrible. Nothing wrong with that. Um, And then, of course, Maggie Haberman was excited by this other thing. Pence saying something about the press that very few other Republicans are at Gridiron. Quote, I don't deny that you infuriate me, and I'm sure I infuriate you, dot, 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 but I genuinely value what you do to keep us a democracy. Now, this is one of those areas where I think we know what Pence is saying. He's saying, unlike Trump, I don't think you're fake news. I don't think you're the enemy of the people. Uh, Fine. On the other hand, For those of us who are critics of the press and their liberal biases, one could argue this panders a little bit to the media's arrogance. Oh, where would America be without you guys keeping democracy from dying in darkness? Now, conservative politicians can and should say that the media is important in a free society, that that journalism has a role to play in holding the government accountable. But that would include the conservative media, too, not just these liberal insiders at the gridiron dinner. You know, I think that we feel like the media should get off their high horse a little. I think what a lot of readers, what a lot of Americans see across the country, they've tried to have focus groups with people. And basically what they're saying is they want reporters to come down off the high horse and engage with people and not just lecture them about how they're not progressive. 
to actually listen to them. Now, there was some of this, of course, in the Trump years. They were all go out, out to the hinterlands and try to understand how on earth these people could support Trump. And then the liberals get mad that people did those stories. I think we just need to describe the media accurately for what it is. And that is they are crusading leftists. Now, they can feel very heroic about being crusading leftists. But there's a difference between that and saving democracy. This is the whole problem. Because what you're basically implying is conservatives are ruining democracy. Conservatives, as a group, were not all in the Capitol hitting a cop in the head. Conservatives believe in democracy. And conservatives, as we've said, bring democracy to the media. We demand some democracy. We demand a little bit of our point of view. But they just have this arrogant sense of they save America. Uh, you know, I did a little something on this show, Alaska Daily, the drama on ABC. And you got that, too, is that you have the reporter taking things hostage and then it's all. Oh, I'm, it's my job. You know, physical attacks on members of the press have risen dramatically. It's become fashionable for people in power right up to those in the White House to delegitimize print journalists by calling what we write fake news and designating reporters as enemies of the people. I mean, this is this is what we get. The arrogant progressives that think they're for a, f a fair and free press. No, you're not. You're not. You don't believe in fairness. You demonstrate on that on a regular basis. You pack all your stories with liberals. You either cut off the conservatives in mid-sentence or you don't let them on at all. You want to say you're for a fair press, but you're not. You, you want to say you're for a free press, but you run around half the time saying Fox News needs to be taken off the air. Conservative people need to be banned from social media. You don't really sound like you're for freedom of speech these days. So we have these entertainment products. You know, it's bad enough that the news media is so arrogant. You have Hollywood that's definitely arrogant about how woke and, and how great they are, how they are conscious of the country. Then you have Hollywood writing about the news business, and it's just, they're doubling down. You know, I discovered this over the weekend, though. We missed this. NBC's business sitcom American Auto had another plot about wokeness. A few months ago, they had a pretty funny episode about trying to make a woke commercial. In this case, at Payne Auto, they're, they're a car company, fictional car company, a pile of the young staffers, they're under 30 or under 35, uh, sound like the, the wokesters at the New York Times. They're demanding that the company's female CEO should make sure they never, ever donate to a pro-life Republican politician. She tries to say, I don't make those decisions. That's the lobbying shop. Well, they're all like, you have to end this. And there should be ritual apologies and self-flagellation forever donating to a pro-lifer. Well, it, it ends up funnier. They turn it into, it gets humorous because the plot ends with the CEO kind of pitting the wokesters against each other. 
since each of them seems to have a weakness where they're unwoke. Like one of them likes Harry Potter. <laughs> oh my goodness, no! You know, and then they start fighting each other. So, you know, that's kind of amusing. But this is, uh, you know, I think conservatives really do feel behind the eight ball when they look at the media system. You know, here they are at South by Southwest saying, oh, the media is so inadequate. They've largely failed to meet the moment. Well, conservatives look at this whole scenario and feel like we're just vastly outnumbered. We're vastly outnumbered in media outlets. And they want to destroy the most popular one that conservatives flock to in Fox News. We're vastly outnumbered, certainly when it comes to the entertainment products we consume. I mean, conservatives watch a lot of liberal themed shows. You're just if you're going to want to watch going to want to watch television, you're just going to have to work your way through that. We all understand this in our day-to-day lives. Conservatives have an easier time sitting through a liberal message. It seems to me a lot of liberals, they just walk off in the middle of a sentence. They can't even stand to listen to conservatives talk, let alone engage with it and try to understand it. Now, the first people that should be willing to do that would be the journalists. And this is, what, this is the problem we're having in these so-called newsrooms at the New York Times or the 19th or whatever. It seems like they don't really want to listen and get to know the other side. There are things that we might share in common. You know, we might like some of the same sports teams. We might like some of the same movies or TV shows. Conservatives and liberals can both be uh, excited that Ted Lasso's back on or something. But, you know, the reality is the liberals really should be less dissatisfied with the situation. You know, they expect ultimate victory around every corner. And I think conservatives, on the other hand, feel like doom is around the corner. They, You know, we're not as optimistic. Um, But we certainly we certainly feel good about what America is, even at this late date. Where it's, you know, obviously the liberals organize themselves and get together and say this is a hopelessly, systemically racist trench we live in. (laughs) Well, if you'd like to have a little more optimism about that, about the country, about the state of the media, uh, we'd like to say we're your website for that, to expose media bias, to fight on for conservative ideas and, and leaders. So you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.